Today we are going to wrap up a series that we began together last Sunday entitled Thanksgiving Power. And we just talked a little bit last week uh, about how that there is a spiritual power in Thanksgiving uh, that really does enable us to kind of tap in uh, to the supernatural that God really wants us to walk in. And I hope that you're here today and I hope like me, I hope you have an expectation and a belief that God always has more. How many believe that no matter how deep and how far you go in God, there's always more of Him. There is an infancy in the Lord, uh, that not an infancy, but there is an infinity in the Lord that allows us to go deeper and deeper and deeper in Him. And I believe that through thanksgiving, uh, we can kind of tap into some things that I think many times we miss out on because we're not operating out of a grateful, thankful spirit. So I, I want to just encourage you that that we're talking more than just an attitude of gratitude. We're talking about a spirit of thanksgiving that really resides on the inside of us and that out of a grateful, thankful heart, we begin to give praise and glory and honor to the one who created us. Amen? So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, let's just reread our scripture from last week. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, Now we exhort you, brethren, to warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So look at our first point here, just to recap. We said Thanksgiving empowers us to live in the will of God because it's God's will that we give thanks. Amen? Thanksgiving sanctifies us for the work of God because you have never met a critical complaining murmuring knock over the stand Christian I'm just gonna leave it how about that you've never met a murmuring complaining Christian that advanced the kingdom of God amen if you're gonna be set apart for the work of the kingdom then you and I are gonna to have to live in a place of Thanksgiving and then we recognize that Thanksgiving also preserves us blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ we said that through a thankful heart we can position ourselves to be ready to meet the Lord amen I don't want Jesus to come back and me have murmuring and complaining in my mouth. I don't want Jesus to come back and me, me griping about my life, my world, my family, my future, my hope. I want to make sure that there is a spirit of praise and thanksgiving that fills my mouth so that I am ready to meet the Lord. Can I get an amen out there? Amen. All right. Look at that next point. Last week we really focused on this. We said Thanksgiving frees us. And we looked at five specific things from 1 Thessalonians 5. Thanksgiving frees us from the things that distract us and disconnect us from God because Thanksgiving changes our focus and raises our awareness of God. And that really is the power of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving power comes from the fact that it changes our focus. We talked about we go from being focused on our sickness to being focused on the healer. From being focused on our problem to being focused on the provider. From being focused on our suffering to being focused on our Savior. And all of a sudden, when I change my focus, it raises my awareness. And now I start recognizing that God is at work. How I many you know God is at work today, amen? In the midst of the things that are happening around us, in the midst of the things that we love, and in the midst of the things that we hate, God is at work. 
And the more thankful you are, the more focused you are on Him, the more aware you are of the fact that God is always at work around us. And you begin to see the handiwork of God in every circumstance and in every situation that we face. So I want to just reread 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 15 through 19, because today we're going to kind of make a shift. Last week we talked about the things that Thanksgiving frees us from. This week we're going to talk about the things that Thanksgiving empowers us to do. Listen to what he says. He says, always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecy, test all things, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. So look at that first point on your outline today. Thanksgiving empowers us to pursue good for ourselves and others because it enables us to see the good. Thanksgiving power enables us to pursue good for ourselves and others. Let's talk about that for just a second. The Bible said pursue good for yourself and for other people. And that's significant. And let me tell you why that's significant. Because we have a tendency to operate on the extremes. There's a tendency that we want to get selfish. How many of you know that without God we're selfish people? And sometimes we get really selfish and we pursue good for ourselves. But we don't pursue good for others. And we've all seen people that made decisions. They made financial decisions. They made ministry decisions. They made business decisions based off what was most profitable for them and to heck with everybody else, right? We've all seen that happen. And so God is not calling us to live that self-centered life. But he says we need to pursue what is good for ourselves and we need to pursue what is good for others because we've also seen the other extreme. As a matter of fact, in Christianity, this is a tendency. In Christianity, we have a tendency to pursue what is good for other people to our own demise, right? We'll take care of others and we'll neglect ourselves. We'll invest in others, but we won't invest in ourselves. We'll reach out to others, but we'll live in a depleted place ourselves. And we've all seen it happen. We've seen people physically give to other people to the point that they are physically exhausted and unable to function. We've seen people spiritually try to encourage and help everybody to the point that they never invest in their own spiritual well-being and they end up what we call burning out in the kingdom of God. And then we've seen people who even emotionally want to help people and encourage people and they want to come along side people and before you know it they're in a dark place themselves emotionally because they've been giving and giving and giving and pursuing good for others but not taking the time to pursue good for themselves so I want you to see something there's a Holy Ghost balance here we need to pursue good for ourselves because if you're unhealthy you can't help anybody else and we need to pursue good for others because if you live in a self-centered mentality, you're never going to advance the kingdom of God. So there's a Holy Ghost tension. And what I want you to see here is that Thanksgiving empowers us to do that. Thanksgiving empowers us to pursue good for ourselves and pursue good for others because it enables us to see the good that's in other people. Now, I want to read you a scripture because it's a great verse. And we need to just grab hold of this real quick this morning. In Luke chapter 18, someone calls Jesus a good teacher. And look what Jesus says. He says, why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. Now think about that. They called Jesus good and Jesus said, don't call me good. Only God is good. Right? If Jesus said, don't call me good, we're all in trouble. Amen? <laughs> Let me give you a revelation. The only good in you and the only good in me is the God in us. Man without God, in case you don't know that, this is not good. 
Man without God is not good. Let me say it again. Man without God is not good. Evil is the absence of the goodness of God manifested in the lives of people. Evil is what happens when you turn the light off. How many know darkness is not darkness? Darkness is the absence of light. You can't measure darkness, but scientists can measure light. Why? Because darkness is not measurable. Why? Because darkness is not a thing. Darkness is the absence of a thing. And evil and perversion and sin and immorality is the absence of God. Why? Because man without God is not good. We are not morally good. We are not morally righteous. As a matter of fact, the Bible says there are none that are righteous. No, not one. But something happens when we start living in a place of gratitude. Something happens when we start giving thanks and focusing our attention on God and becoming aware of the goodness of God around us. All of a sudden, we begin to see the good of God in other people. All of a sudden, you start seeing the potential of who they can be. All of a sudden, you start seeing in yourself that God has a purpose and a plan, but you also start seeing in other people that God has a purpose and a plan for them. You see the goodness of God, the potential of the Lord in the hearts and lives of other people. Let me just be honest with you this morning. Very rarely do I get angry at things that are happening in our world. Most of the time, I, get, I am grieved by wickedness and perversion and sin. When I see someone living a wicked, evil life, when I see someone bound by an addiction or living in perversion, it doesn't make me angry in the sense that I want to hurt them. It grieves me in the sense because by the goodness of God, I recognize they were created for His glory. And all of a sudden, the goodness of the Lord begins to become visible. And we can pursue good and not evil because we start seeing the good because we're aware of the fact that all men and all women were created to be image bearers of the glory of God. And sin has marred that and rebellion has robbed that and perversion has corrupted that. But at the heart of hearts, there is something in the heart of every man that has been called up to the glory of God. Eternity has been set in the hearts of men and God is calling that out. And when you live in a place of thanksgiving, you can begin to see the good. And you can only pursue what you can see or what you perceive in a person's life. And when you begin to perceive and see the good, you can begin to call it out. See, what's exciting, and you know this to be true, if you've ever prayed for, for somebody that was far away from God, and I mean, they're out there and they're not doing good. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know anybody like that? Been there, done that, got the t-shirt right? When you're praying for somebody that's not doing good, and all of a sudden, and you're thanking God. How many know that, that we can actually thank God for their deliverance before they get delivered? We can thank God for their salvation before they get saved. I mean, that's how I pray. God, I thank you that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So I thank you for saving them. I thank you for redeeming them. I thank you that it's not your will, God, that they should be bound. But you came that you might destroy the works of the devil and set the captives free. That you went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed to the enemy. So God, I thank you for their deliverance. When you start praying and living like that, you know what will happen? You will start seeing the good of God at work in their life. And the average person will be oblivious to it. They won't recognize it. They won't see it at all. But you'll see it. You'll see it in that coworker. You'll see it in that family member. You'll see it at that person on your job that maybe is considered your enemy because they seem to be fighting you, but they're not your enemy. You're praying for them, and you're blessing them, and you're thanking God for their salvation. All of a sudden, you start seeing good because you are connected to God through thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you 
I thank you for the good of God that's in us. Amen? And so Thanksgiving empowers us to do that. Look at that next point. Paul said that we ought to rejoice always. Thanksgiving empowers us to rejoice always because we know that God is working all things together for our good. I can rejoice always because I know God is working all things together for my good. As I was praying and thinking about this scripture and this little point this week, uh, the Holy Spirit reminded me yesterday of a, of a verse of scripture out of the book of Psalms that says God laughs at his enemies. And I just begin to think about that. I begin to think about how that how that God laughs at his enemies and how that we can rejoice in the good times and in the bad times. We can rejoice in every circumstance and in every situation because God is working all things together for our good. Think about how frustrating it must be for the devil to know that when he releases everything that he's got, you come out stronger, you come out better, you come out further down the road than you've ever been in Jesus. Think of how frustrating that must be when the enemy throws everything he's got at you and instead of taking you out, you just step up and walk in the glory that God has for you. And we can laugh in the face of our enemies. We can laugh in the face of adversity. Why? Because when we give thanks, we focus our attention on him and we become so aware of the fact that God is with us, that God is for us, and that he's working everything together for our good. Romans chapter 8. Most of you know this scripture. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. And what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? If God is for us, we can rejoice always when we learn how to give thanks. Why? Because when I become aware of the presence of God and the goodness of the Lord and the fact that God is working everything together for my good, I can say, God, I praise you that in the midst of this storm, I'm going to come out stronger. When you're in the middle of the darkness, how many of you know that when you find yourself in a dark, dark place, you can thank God for an opportunity to shine as a light in the darkness? God, I thank you for giving me an opportunity to shine as a light in the darkness. See, I think sometimes as Christians we get confused. We think that our light is intended to help us light up other lights, but our light is intended to help us light up the darkness. It's amazing how intimidated many Christians are of lost people. Well, I don't know if I can hang out with them. They're really bad. I, you know, I really struggle. I work with a bunch of heathen people. Praise God you work with a bunch of people that don't know Jesus. Praise God you work in a place where the gospel of Jesus Christ is needed and necessary. Praise God you work in a place where all you got to do is show up and the light of Christ in you shines so bright that they can't help but see the glory of God. Amen? I mean, if you're a 100-watt light bulb and you show up in a room where there's 300, 300, 300, 100-watt light bulbs, it's probably not going to get much brighter. But if you're a 100-watt light bulb and you show up in the darkness, guess what? Everybody can see. Amen? That was a better shout. Y'all should have gave me. I'll tell you, that was some good preaching right there. And so we can rejoice always because we know that God is working all things together 
for our good. Amen. We can rejoice always. I know it's not fun. I'm not saying I enjoy it, but I'm saying that I'm learning to rejoice in it. Amen. Because it's those dark moments that give us the greatest opportunity to let the world see who he is. Look at that next point. Paul said we ought to pray without ceasing. Thanksgiving power, Thanksgiving empowers us to pray continually and consistently. Let me just give you a simple definition of prayer. Prayer is communion and communication with God. Prayer is not getting God to do your will. Prayer is getting in sync with God so you can do His will. Amen? Prayer is communion and communication. And through thanksgiving, by focusing our attention and becoming aware of His presence, we can live in a place of continual and consistent prayer. When Paul said pray without ceasing, he wasn't saying that you got to stay on your knees 24 hours a day with your head bowed and your eyes closed so you can pray without ceasing. No, he was saying I want you to live a life of consistent and continual communion and communication with God. I want you to be in constant communion and constant communication with the Lord. Guess how we do that? Through thanksgiving. When I get up in the morning, I say thank you, Lord, for a brand new day. When I get ready to eat my food, I say, thank you, Lord, for this food I'm about to eat. When I go to work, I say, thank you, God, that I got a job to work at today. When I'm confronted with a problem, I say, thank you, Lord, that you've given me the mind of Christ and I can deal with every problem that comes my way. When I, when I go home, I say, thank you, Lord, for my family and the opportunity to come home. When I turn on the light switch, I can say, thank you, Lord, that I've got electricity and the bills are paid. Right? When I sit down for supper again, I can say, thank you, Lord, that i got food to eat tonight. Thank you that I've got a family and I've got people surrounded around my table. Thank you that i got a TV that I probably watched too much of but thank you for it anyway God you realize how powerful that is just through thanksgiving you can stay in constant communion and constant connection with God just by thanking him for the things that happen every day well Pastor Keith the same stuff happens every day well you ought to give thanks for the same stuff every day but let's be honest every day you have new problems and every day you have new opportunities so every day you've got something new to thank God for amen Thanksgiving empowers us to pray continually and consistently because we know that God hears. How many know God hears? We know that God cares, and we know that God answers. I love Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. Look at this little phrase, with thanksgiving. By everything. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I mean, your prayers are going to come to a new life when you start including thanksgiving in your prayers. Thanksgiving gives power to our prayer because it thinks, it focuses us on what he has done, which releases faith for what he's going to do. And the peace of God, verse 7, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Look at the next point. Thanksgiving empowers us, not just to pray without ceasing. But Paul said this, he says, and do not quench the Holy Spirit. Thanksgiving empowers us to obey the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a definition of quench the Spirit. The Bible talks specifically about two things. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit and do not quench the Spirit. The word grieve means to bring sorrow to. When we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. When we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. It brings sorrow. Just like as a parent, when your kids do things they're not supposed to, you say, don't do that, and they do it anyway. Don't go there, and they go there anyway. All of a sudden, it grieves your heart. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But then it says, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, don't quench the Holy Spirit. To quench 
means to extinguish or pour water on a fire. So think about how do we extinguish the fire of the Holy Spirit. Every time the Spirit prompts you to do something and you don't obey Him, it, it quenches the Spirit. It quenches the Spirit. Let's flip the coin for just a second. Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit prompt you to do something and you did it? Let me ask you, how did you feel afterwards? <laughs> Man, you felt fired up, right? That was like the greatest feeling in all the world. The Spirit said, do that, pray for them, encourage them, bless them, give that to them. And you obeyed what the Spirit was prompting you to do. And all of a sudden, you didn't quench the fire, you fed the fire. You fanned the flame of the Holy Spirit. And you know what I found out? The more I obey Him, the more I want to obey Him. Right? The more I obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, the more I want to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because all of a sudden it just fans the fire of the Holy Spirit. So when Paul says don't quench the Holy Spirit, he's talking about don't be disobedient to those inner promptings of the Spirit of God in your life. Because every time you say no, when he says yes, you quench the Spirit and extinguish the fire of God in your life. And it becomes, unfortunately, it becomes easier and easier to quench the Spirit when the embers burn lower and lower and lower and lower. So let's think about this. So thanksgiving empowers us to obey the Holy Spirit because we are in tune with the desires of His heart. Look with me in Galatians 5. Paul again is writing. He says, so I say then, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us, say that word with me, desires. The Spirit gives us, one more time, gives us, if you're watching online, just type that word desires in the comment line. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces, our spirit and the Holy Spirit and our flesh, are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. He doesn't say we can't do what we're supposed to do. He just says there's a constant battle because the desire of the Spirit is in opposition to the desire of your flesh, which is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. So I want you to recognize something. When we, when we are led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit directs us by desire. How does the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you into all truth? How does He instruct you in the little things of life? He gives you a desire. Think about it. How many times have you just been minding your own business and all of a sudden you have this desire that you need to check on somebody and send them a text message? They just pop in your head. Well, I wonder how Billy's doing. I need to send him a text and check on him. You have a desire to pray for somebody. You're walking in Walmart. You're minding your own business, getting your stuff. And all of a sudden, somebody walks by you and you just have this desire, I need to pray for them. And maybe it doesn't mean you need to walk up and stop them and pray for them. Maybe it just means you need to stop right where you're at and say, Lord, I just pray for that person just walked by me. I don't know what's going on, but I just feel a desire, the prompting of the Holy Spirit just to pray for them. I ask you to minister to them right now. Maybe you felt that desire to share the gospel with somebody. Maybe it's somebody on your job, and all of a sudden, you just felt a desire to say, Hey, have I ever told you how Jesus really changed my life? Maybe you had a desire to encourage somebody. You had a desire to bless somebody. You were at the store and you just felt like you ought, to, you ought to just buy their meal or you ought to pay for their groceries or you ought to give them $20 to put gas in their car. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. We are directed by desire. God gives us a desire to do the good that pleases Him. And so, hear this. 
through thanksgiving, the more focused and aware of his presence we are, the more in tune we are with the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you're driving down the road, how many of you listen to your radio? Anybody still listen to radio in their car? You, how many of you realize this? You can be driving down the road, and you can be in an area where your favorite radio station, I mean, the signal is strong and loud, but if you're not in tune, you'll never hear what it has to say. Thanksgiving puts us in tune with the Holy Spirit. Thanksgiving puts us in a place where we can hear the Spirit of God. Why? Because Thanksgiving focuses me on Him and raises my awareness of His presence. And all of a sudden, I'm focused on God. I'm aware of His presence. And now I hear the voice of the Lord. And I am in tune with the desire of God's heart. And all of a sudden, His desire becomes my desire because I am hearing His voice. I am in tune with Him. Now, Tuesday night, I had opportunity uh, to lead, uh, I mean, to, to bring a message at Celebrate Recovery, and Alan was leading worship. And after the first song, Alan stopped for a second. He said, excuse me, guys, my guitar's out of tune. And he starts, ding, 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 and he's picking on that thing, you know. And I'm about as musical as nothing, right? So I have no musical ability at all. But it's crazy because I was sitting there listening to him hit that string, and when it went in tune, even though I don't know what in tune is, I knew it was in tune. I'm like, there it is. And he's like, oh, there it is. And then we went back in the song. And the Holy Spirit said, he said, Keith, when you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, you hear the voice of God. He said, but when you're out of tune, not only do you not hear, but your sound is now perverted. Because what's coming out of your mouth is complaining and murmuring and criticizing and critiquing and negative and doubt and worry and fear. See, when you're out of tune, not only do you not hear, but you don't say the things that please the Lord. But through thanksgiving, I am focused and aware. Therefore, I am in tune to hear and I am in tune to speak and be a voice that resonates with the heart of God. Amen? All right. Look at that next point. Thanksgiving empowers us to receive the word God has for us. Paul said this. He said, don't quench the spirit. And then he said, and do not despise prophecy. Let me give you a simple definition of prophecy. Prophecy is when God speaks a word to you through somebody else. So God has something he wants to say to you. And God speaks to you through other people. How many know God does that pretty regularly? God speaks through people. And so that's a word of prophecy. So I want you to see this. Thanksgiving empowers us to receive the word, the word God has for us because it creates a tender and a humble heart. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. Here's what prophecy is. But the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. How many know that God really does want to speak of God wants to speak a word of strength. God wants to strengthen you. He wants to encourage you. And he wants to comfort you. And we've all experienced it, right? We've all been in a weak place. We've all been in a place where we were frustrated and overwhelmed. And all of a sudden, we just heard something. You ever heard a word? Somebody spoke something to you. Somebody shared something on Facebook. Somebody sent you a text message. You watched the video. You listened to a song. And all of a sudden, you heard a word from the Lord that strengthened you. And all of a sudden, you were infused with courage and hope. It strengthened you. It encouraged you. It comforted you. Now, here's what I want you to see. 
God wants to strengthen you. God wants to encourage you. And God wants to comfort you. And God will use people to do that. Why is Thanksgiving so important? Thanksgiving creates a tender and a humble heart that allows us to receive the word of the Lord. One of the things Kelly and I recognized years ago is that sometimes as we were ministering to people, and we'd be praying with people, maybe in the altar, maybe in an encounter, and we'd start to encourage them in the Lord, and they would say, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know God loves me. Yeah, I know. I know that. I know he's working all things together for my good. You just don't understand, Pastor. I, I, I know. I, I, yeah, I know. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know that. I know that verse. I know. And what we recognized is that when they said, I know, it simply meant I'm not receiving anything you have to say. And the Holy Spirit just reminded me of that. He said, Keith, he said, think about it like this. He said, you can't receive if you believe you already know. You can't receive if you believe you already know. And let me add another word to it. You can't receive if you believe you already know it all. <laughs> now, I know nobody in here knows any know-it-alls. And I know that nobody in here has ever been a know-it-all. <laughs> but here's the realization. Pride, pride keeps us from receiving the word of the Lord. It keeps us from receiving that prophetic word that strengthens, encourages, and comforts us. And then the Holy Spirit, just this morning, and I, and I, I would love to say I love it when he does this. I don't necessarily love it when he does it, but I'm thankful that he does do it. This this morning, he said, Keith, he said, do you realize that you resist those words? And I was like, no, Lord, I don't. <laughs> How prideful is that when you tell God no, right? He said, yes, you do. He said, people try to encourage you. And it's not that, you don't, that you're not thankful for their encouragement. You just believe other people need it more than you, so you just try to pass it on. Yeah, I appreciate that. And you try to pass it on. Oh, thank you for that, but you try to pass it on. He said, I want you to be more aware of my presence and more aware of my word that I want to speak to you. He said, I want you to have such a tender and a humble heart that anytime somebody encourages you, anytime we call it in the natural, compliments you, he said, I want you to receive it as a word from the Lord. Don't be prideful and be puffed up and think, oh, I'm all that in a bag of chips, because you're not. He said, but also don't be prideful and resist that word and not allow it to go deep in your heart. He said, because I want to strengthen you, I want to encourage you, and I want to comfort you. And when I send people into your life that try to do those things, he said, don't push back, pull in, and receive it. And I thought, yes, Lord. That's what I said this morning. Yes, Lord, I will do that. Amen. But Thanksgiving keeps us in that place. When I'm thankful, I'm focused on Him, I'm aware of His presence, it keeps my heart tender and it keeps me humble where I can receive what God has. Because I realize, I know intellectually, I realize, I know with all my heart. I, man, I am so far from not only knowing it all, I don't even know that much, right? I tell people, when I first got saved, I knew that much and now I know that much. I mean, I'm just slowly growing, praise God. But here's the revelation. When we have a, when we have a thankful heart, we have a humble heart that can receive what God has to give us. Amen? Y'all still with me this morning? Amen. Look at that next point. He also said, Paul said, he said, test all things and hold fast to what is good. So thanksgiving empowers us to discern and embrace between the good and the evil. To discern between good and evil and embrace the good because we know him. Paul said, I want you to test everything, and then once you discern between what is good and evil, I want you to hold on to what is good. When we live in a place of thanksgiving, again, focused and aware of God's presence, all of a sudden, because we know him, there is a discernment that enables us 
to discern between good and between evil. Look at John chapter 10. This is great. Jesus is speaking. And he says, But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. Look at verse 5. And they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Thanksgiving empowers us to discern between good and evil. It empowers us to discern and know the voice of God. I was thinking about this this week, and I was reminded of how uh, when you go to your local bank, the way that they train bank tellers to identify counterfeit money is really genius. This is how they do it. The way they train them to identify counterfeit money is they never let them touch counterfeit money. All of their training and all their preparation, they handle just the real stuff, just the real stuff, just the real stuff, just the real stuff. So when a counterfeit bill comes through their fingers, they are so familiar with what is real, they immediately identify the counterfeit. Let me tell you the best way to discern between God and evil. The best way to discern between God's will and your will for your life. Here it is. Know Him. Become so familiar with God that anything else stands out like a counterfeit bill. Become so familiar with Him. It is because we know Him. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. And the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. Why? Because they can discern between good and evil. How? Because they are so familiar with the voice of the Father that any other voice just doesn't seem right. Now let me just show you something today because we've all done this. Have you ever, have you ever been in the middle of a decision-making process? And it can be a relational decision, a financial decision, a business decision. Because here's what's great about Christianity. Christianity, the moment you got born again, every aspect of your life became holy unto the Lord. There's no such part as you have sacred parts and, and secular parts. No. Once you got born again, every aspect of your life is holy and set apart. And so guess what? That means God is intimately involved in every aspect of your life. So God cares just as much about your business as He does your relationships as He does your finances. God cares. And how many times have you been in a decision-making process and everything on the outside looked right, smelled right, and sounded right? <laughs> but something in here said it ain't right. You ever had that happen? Anybody ever had that happen? You know what that is? That is the discernment of the Holy Spirit. That's the discernment of the Holy Spirit. Everything on the outside looked right, it even smelled right, and it sounded right. And maybe even some of the right people were telling you it was right, but something in here said it's not right. Now, have you ever violated that? I have. Been guilty. Everything looked right, sounded right, felt right, but in here the Holy Spirit said it was wrong, but I did it anyway. And you know what? It took me about, I don't know, maybe one day. Maybe one week. Maybe one month. But usually it doesn't take very long after you make that decision and you know, right? How many times we say, I knew this was the wrong decision. I knew I shouldn't have done this. I knew I shouldn't have invested here. I knew I shouldn't have partnered with this person. I knew I shouldn't have taken this job. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. You know what that is? That is the discernment of the Lord. And the more that we live in a place of thanksgiving, 
focusing and acknowledging his awareness of his presence, the more we can discern those things. And I want to just encourage you today. I want to encourage you to be sensitive to those Holy Ghost checks in your heart. Be sensitive. Be sensitive to what the Spirit of God is saying on the inside because it doesn't matter if it looks right. If it ain't right in here, it ain't right for you. Amen? So be sensitive and be aware. And thanksgiving is how we cultivate that discernment because it keeps us focused and it raises our awareness of God's presence in our lives. Amen? All right, next to our last point, I want you to see this. Thanksgiving empowers us to abstain from every form or every appearance of evil. Paul said, I want you to abstain from evil. Thanksgiving empowers us to do that because we fear the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord is something we don't talk about. I don't believe near enough in the local church, and I want to talk about it just a few minutes this morning. Because the fear of the Lord, as we're going to see today, the Bible says is a fountain of life. Let me tell you what the fear of the Lord is, the fear, what the fear of the Lord is not. The fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. The fear of the Lord is having a fear and a reverence for God because I know Him. Let me just tell you something. I'll just use my life and our children as an example. My kids were never afraid of me, but they did fear me. What do I mean by that? They knew there were some things. There were some lines that we had drawn in our family, and if you crossed the line, there was going to be a repercussion. It didn't matter if you were my kid or not. Didn't matter who you were, things, this is right and this is wrong. And if you cross the line, daddy's still going to love you. Daddy's still going to care about you. But there's going to be repercussions because daddy's going to do what he said he would do. They knew me well enough to know that I was a man of my word. And that meant that if they did the right thing, they would be blessed. And if they did the wrong thing, they would not. Because the Bible says God disciplines all of his children. Do y'all know that? And the Bible says if you don't endure the discipline of the Lord, then you're not a child of God. My kids knew that. So they loved me. They were not afraid of me, but they feared me because they knew there would be repercussions to their decisions. And since Kelly's not here, let's just be honest, they feared her a little more. <laughs> She's tougher than me. But they loved us both. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not that I'm afraid of God. The fear of the Lord is that I know Him. I know Him enough to know that God's a God of His Word. And God will discipline me because I'm His child. And the Bible says discipline does not seem pleasant in the moment. How many know it's not fun when you go to the woodshed, as we used to say a long time ago? It's not fun. Listen to what the Bible says. I want you to hear this. This is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, look at this, to turn one away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, why? Because it turns you away from the snares of death. I was talking with somebody in our small group a couple weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about getting whoopings in school. Y'all remember, anybody remember when you could actually get a paddling in school? I don't think they do that anymore, but I grew up in that time where you could get a paddling at school. I grew up, went to school my entire life, graduated from Fairview High School. I never got one whooping at school, never. And let me tell you why. I was afraid of my dad. Because <laughs> my daddy told me, this is what he told me. He said, Keith, if you ever get in trouble at school, you can be sure when you get home, it's going to be a whole lot worse. I don't care what they do to you there, but when I get home, it's going to be worse than what they could ever give you. 
And so I feared my daddy. I wasn't afraid of him in that I loved him and I had a great relationship with him and I enjoyed spending time with him. But I feared him because I knew he was a man of his word. And so I went to 12 years of school and never once got a whooping or a paddling at school because I was fearful of my father. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn you away. That's what it does. The fear of the Lord turns you away. When you know who he is and that he is a man of his word and that he will discipline his own children, all of a sudden it's not the fear of sin or the fear of the police. It is the fear of God that makes you walk the right path. I'm just going to tell you, as a young person, I stayed out of a lot of trouble. Not because I was afraid of the law or afraid of the police or afraid of the principal or afraid of the school teacher. I had a healthy fear of my father that kept me from walking down a lot of roads that many of my friends walked down. Because in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, well, my daddy finds out. I'm just telling you. That's exactly what I thought. I thought that many, many times. If my daddy finds out, I did this. If my daddy finds out, I did this. There's going to be some heck to pay when I get home. And I was more afraid of the discipline of my father than I was the repercussions of my sin. That is the fountain of life called the fear of the Lord. Look at Proverbs, the next scripture. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way, and the perverse mouth, the Psalms are, uh, Solomon said, I do hate. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And so through thanksgiving, the more focused I am on God and the more aware I am of His presence, the more I know Him. And because I know Him, I fear Him. I fear Him. I'm just going to be honest with you. There have been some challenging, challenging seasons in my life. And there have been more than one opportunity to compromise and more than one temptation to give in to my flesh. And I'm just going to tell you, the thing that scares me the most is the fear of the Lord. It's not the repercussion of sin. It's the fear of the Lord. It's the discipline of my Father and knowing that I would disappoint Him. That sustained me, I can tell you, more times than I can count. And that comes as we continue to live in this place of thanksgiving and that awareness of His presence. Look at this last point. Thanksgiving power changes our lives. Because it changes our focus. And it raises our awareness of God. I want to close with 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thanksgiving changes our life because it changes our focus. It raises our awareness. And it brings us to a place where there is freedom and there is power. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. If you're watching online, I'll just ask you right where you're at. Just bow your head if you can. And I want to just challenge us today. Two questions. I always like to wrap up with a couple questions. Here's my first question. If you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to ask you today, are you walking in the fullness of life that Thanksgiving can bring? Have you allowed a grumbling, critical, griping spirit to somehow settle in? Have you lost that attitude of gratitude that says, God, I just want to thank you today. I want to thank you for a brand new day. I want to thank you for a life to live. I want to thank you for, 
for problems to solve. I want to thank you for an opportunity to shine in the light, shine the light in the darkness. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I know I'm a Christian, I know I'm saved, I know I'm going to heaven, but boy, I've just become a little critical. I've become a little, I've just allowed my mouth. I'm just out of tune. I'm out of tune and I'm not hearing God and I'm not speaking the things that please the Lord. And today I just want to, I just want to repent. I want to just encourage you right there where you're at. Whether you're here in person, whether you're online, right there, just begin to ask the Lord. Just confess to this sin. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I'm out of tune. God, I can't hear and I've been saying things that are not pleasing to you. Lord, I've allowed murmuring and complaining to fill my mouth instead of praise and thanksgiving. And I ask you to forgive me today. I confess my sin. And Lord, I pray that today I, I just I commit to cultivate a thankful, grateful heart. God, I commit to cultivate a thankful, grateful heart that in everything I would give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for me. So right now, if that's you, I want you just to do some business with the Lord and just talk to Him. Let God release some things on the inside of you. There is thanksgiving power that you can walk in today. And maybe you're here this morning and maybe you recognize, Pastor Keith, I don't know the Lord. Maybe you're watching online and you know you're not a Christian. There's no fear of God. There's no love of God. There's no nothing. Maybe you've acknowledged Him, but you've never surrendered your life to Him. Today's your day. And if you're here in person or you're watching online and you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, today I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. The Bible calls it being born again. Jesus said you must be born again. And if you're here today and you've never been born again and you've never acknowledged your sin and invited Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior and today you want to commit your life to follow Him, I just want you to raise your hand. If you're here in person, just slip your hand up. If you're watching online, if you're on an online platform, there's a hand you can click on. If you're watching on social media, just, just type in that little comment block. Today I'm raising my hand. Today I'm raising my hand. Today I'm raising my hand. And I just want to pray a simple prayer with you today. Because today Jesus Christ can be the Lord of your life. And you can be saved. You can be delivered. And you can be set free. Because God loves you that much. So if you will, I'm going to ask everyone here today in person just to repeat this prayer with me out loud. Let's say it together. If you're watching online and you've raised your hand, let's pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins rose again on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today.